This is the Sound the Foghorn Podcast. Cut off by Mata, throws it out front, Dumba scores! Your number one podcast for the Minnesota Wild. Proud to select with the ninth pick in the 2020 draft from the Ottawa 67s of the OHL, Marco Rossi. Covering their prospects, the NHL, AHL, news, notes, and much more. Fiala's in for Minnesota. Fiala cuts to the middle. Wait, scores! Greenway in. Saved by Miska. Rebound. Erickson. They score! Jordan Greenway beats Miska. And poked away Kaprizov. In for a chance to win it. He scores! Kirill the thrill. Now, here are your hosts. Brett Marshall, Zeke Boyak. And Justin Buck. Hello, and welcome in to Sound the Foghorn. A little bit of a sad day today as the Minnesota Wild have been eliminated from the Stanley Cup playoffs, thus ending their 2021 season. But Brett Marshall joined as always by Zeke Boyat, Justin Bakke, here to try to bring some life back into the Wild fan base. We are going to recap the series and then wrap up the show with a draft of our favorite memories and things from this past season to go out on a good note, but before we dive headfirst into the recap, let's check in with my co-host, Zeke. Man, how you doing on this, uh, I don't even know, is it Saturday, Friday? It's Saturday. Yeah, it's Saturday. Saturday. This, this <laughs> multi-day weekend's already got me <laughs> thrown yeah. off. How you doing? Yeah, you know, I'm doing good. I've, I've been a day behind all week, too. I you know, keep thinking every day is behind, but uh, uh, yeah, no, I, I'm doing pretty good, obviously, you know, uh, yeah, like, like we'll talk here in a minute. Yesterday kind of sucked in the end, but you know, it wasn't too bad. I ended up having a fun week of ho- hockey to watch from the team. And, you know, just been hanging out today, just hanging around the house, doing kind of random things. And I've been watching a little bit of Toronto, Montreal, and Boston Islanders. So, yeah, no, I'm doing good. Excellent to hear. And, Justin, what about you? I'm good. I'm disappointed our season's over. But uh, proud of the boys for uh, for the season they gave us. Uh, had a good day overall, though. Spent the day with uh, – I took PTO. Spent the day with the kids at the park and – barbecued with the family so that kind of kept my mind off of uh the fact that we're eliminated so it was a good day yeah you got a nice autumn day today absolutely it was perfect outside it was this this is the best weather by the way and if you Mm -hmm. disagree you're wrong so yeah yeah i Um, don't like you too much so this is yeah it was it was perfect right around 60 Mm -hmm. degrees a little little bit of a breeze sunny Mm -hmm. can't beat Mm -hmm. it can't beat it not at all all right, so let's dive into the series. I believe we recapped the last show. It was was it games one through four essentially? Yeah, because it was it was three one, and we were like, hopefully we're back for yeah, so, yeah, yep, yep, yep. So we already got one through four, so we won't really go back too much into those. So if and you look at, it, I mean, since we last talked, I mean, the Wild were two and one, so I mean that's something, right? Yeah, <laughs> um, yeah. <laughs> so they did have some some decent games in uh, games. Well, I wanna. Calling game five a decent game might be a stretch mm-hmm. um, as they played. It was a win. It, it, it was a win. <laughs> uh, well, 
let, let's start there. I think uh, my description, uh, just to be short and blunt, of the game was uh, that second period that I watched the Wild play, I think oh. in my 25 years of existence, was the worst period I've ever seen an NHL hockey team play, and they somehow only allowed one goal. And it was, you know, a deflection off Jonas Brodine. Yeah, the fact that we were outshot, what was it, 21 to 1, 22 to 1, that was... I was like, oh my god! Like this, I felt like we didn't even touch the puck. It was just, yeah, like you said, the worst period you've ever seen is probably the worst period I've ever seen too. It was. I thought we were gonna. I thought the series was over seeing a period being played like that. But yeah, and I watched. Yeah. We watched yeah. several periods of the Wild against the Avalanche this year, so that says a lot. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, no, that's uh, that you know, and it will type slip. That might be the only uh, saving grace of losing is not having to play them in the playoffs. But yeah, no, that game was uh. Uh, I, I mean, like what Justin said, it was basically a power play for them the whole time. And I believe the only shot they had was Nick Benino, like with like six, seven minutes left. He kind of just passed the blue line through a wrister, like, you know, with no traffic that floor easily stopped. So that was the only thing they did in that period. And I, and I was kind of like, Justin, I mean, and I know you guys think watched the end of the game, but uh, I mean, I created excuses to not watch most of the third period. Could I, cause after that third game where they're up to nothing and, and then got the crap kicked out of them, I was I'm usually not like that, but I was not in the mood of, okay, I'm not, you're not blowing this game again. Cause I, you know, I really don't want to end the, on that note. Cause that would have been much worse than, you know, what we, how the series ended up going. But yeah, no, it was a, it, it obviously wasn't a really great game at all. I mean, obviously they got better in the third period and such, but I mean, like you said, a win was a win, especially on the road in the playoffs. It was kind of impressive too, to me that, you know, at the beginning of the series, if you had told me that, they'd be down 3-2 after five games that their only two wins would be on the road, I would have been a little surprised. Yeah, but, you know, the impressive thing about Game 5 is we talked about it directly on this podcast, too. We said, Fleury's been great, and mm-hmm. it just seems his confidence builds the longer he goes without giving up a goal. We said the key is for the Wild to come out and score and then get another one right away. And that's exactly what they did in Game 5. They come out, uh, was it Caprice? Was it Caprice off that got yeah. the first goal? Kaprizov, Parisi, Greenway. Yeah, that so was the order. So Kaprizov scores the first goal. First of all, amazing because it, sh- it instantly shut up all the Kaprizov haters. Just boom, done, gone. See you later. And then Greenway yep. comes shortly. Or er, uh, Parisi gets one shortly later, and then Greenway gets him before the period ends. And all of a sudden, boom, one, two, three in the first period. Just like we said they needed to do. It was point out, well, you got to score goals to win. But it, it was in the way they did it. They came out quick. They got him early in the first. I think it put Vegas a little bit on their heels, and then. Of course, Cam Talbot the rest of the way just kind of stands strong, and the Wild are able to get one more there in the third. But, yeah, so game five they win and then come back home to XL Energy Center for game six, and Cam Talbot and the Wild put on a show there shutting out Vegas. Just an <laughs> awesome game six that I think really had fans, you know, went from, you know, after game four, oh, this is done, and then after game six it was, you know, all of a sudden, you know, we've got a chance here. Yeah, it was uh, going back to game five a little bit, and then I'll jump into game six. Sure. It was it was uh, probably a good thing that we scored three goals in the first period because, you know, of course, Stone scored their, the first goal of the game. You're like, oh, here we go. Like, <clears throat> what's going to happen? This We got we to gotta jump on them because otherwise the series is over. Get three goals in a row, and then I, I want to – I laughed uh, looking at – the box score. Remember uh, Sturm's empty net goal? How it was like <laughs> banked off the board, like perfect yeah. angle, just like the weirdest empty net goal I've ever seen. But 
I mean, game five and game six, I mean, of course, <clears throat> we won both, but uh, it was like a tale of two different games from the wild. Mm-hmm. It, it seemed to be the theme kind of all season long almost. Like, yeah, no. Oh, sorry. No, you're good. You go ahead. Well, no, I was just going to say after that empty net goal, I just, I loved the, they showed the, the clip reaction on on the local broadcast of the bench after the empty net goals. And, you know, that was pretty awesome just to see how psyched it was. I mean, you had Preezy, like, mauled Spurgeon, another guy, and they were, you know, it was just, they were obviously just really happy to get that win. And I, I don't know, it's, it feels like when you go from, it seems kind of weird because it's only one game, but when you like Brett kind of said, when you go from 3-1 to only down by a game now, it's kind of, especially going back home, it felt it just felt all of a sudden just you should a lot more confident than you did even a couple hours before at that point. So it was nice. Right. And it was good to see uh, Zach Preece enter and make an instant impact and scoring mm-hmm. that uh, second goal of the game and putting us ahead in game five and then making a huge impact in game six as well, getting an assist on the first goal. And, um, yeah, like you said in the beginning of the show, kind of uh, – or before we even got on the show, maybe uh, – there wasn't very many reasons to not have him in the lineup, even though we may have talked about him not being in the lineup in previous shows, but uh, he probably should have been in there over some other guys. Yeah, we talked pre-show. If you haven't seen it yet, um, I did put out, um, by the time you're listening to this, it might be up for all the players, but as as of the time of this podcast here on, on Saturday night, I have put out my uh, analytics summary of all the wild forwards with kind of my personal analysis and just kind of digging into the numbers of Zach Parisi. Like I, I think it came out to basically in kind of the, the major analytics that I kind of, you know, look at and track and, you know, kind of the primary ones used everywhere uh, of the 13 forwards that played more than 500 minutes this year. Uh, Parisi didn't rank lower than ninth, I think in any of them and was a top five forward. And I think seven of the categories Compared to uh, Marcus Johansson, who literally was ranked 13th out of 13 mm-hmm. in pretty much every category, and where he wasn't 13th, he was 12th. Um, like mm-hmm. there was just no excuse to have Johansson in over Parisi. Once I dug into it, and I think even watching, you could see that yeah. Johansson was just bad. And and Justin, as you alluded to, on that first goal in uh, I believe it was Game Six, uh, he makes just an awesome play at the blue line, mm-hmm. just a little chip area pass to Kevin Fiala. Who yeah. comes in makes a nice centering pass, and you see Ryan Hartman finish it, and he just felt good for Hartman because he'd played really well all series, and you know that goal comes early in the third period after a game that's basically been there's there was just no space for either team. I think right. after two periods, I don't think either team, all strengths included, mm-hmm. had more than one expected goal. It was just that tight defensively, so the Wild get out there in the in the third period get the first goal. And then a couple minutes later, Kevin Fiala gets one on the power play. Um, and, you know, the rest was pretty much history from there. Yeah, and no, I think, uh, like, like you said, uh, just backtrack a little bit. I think, you know, at this point, they're never going to really answer any of those questions about why that's exactly that they're keeping, they've kept Parisi out of lineup. And even when he's in the lineup, you know, he's never been on either power play units. You know, we, we've talked about all that before, but I just think, you know, we're, we're never going to really know much about it. I just find it weird that, uh, you know, you wouldn't, the guy who's your all-time leading playoff scorer in your franchise history, you wouldn't, it takes you to, like, last resort to give him a chance. But, you know, like like we said, that's another, that's kind of a conversation for a, a month or two from now, most likely. But, yeah, no, I think that the sixth game, I was, for me personally, I was incredibly, I don't know, I just get very nervous during these games. But it was 
really nerve wracking going when it continues to go zero zero later in the game. It was kind of like the the first game, uh, game one in Vegas, where it's just like, oh, you, you just know that you know the first goal is going to be huge, and that's why you know it's a little bit off the track. But I, you know, when the Vegas's goal to tie the game uh, by Chandler Stevenson, I believe was waved off because Alex Tuck was kind of in the crease and interfering with the goaltender there. You know, but I saw a lot of people you know ripping on DeBoer for using the challenge, and it's like, well, I. I guess I can get it because, you know, that's how they've been calling it and they they were ne- probably never going to take it back. But I just thought, you know, at that point, you know, the, the whoever got the first goal was going to be huge and I just thought he really didn't have much else to lose in that game. But, yeah, no, that was a that was a just exactly kind of the way they needed to play, uh, you know, in that game to, to really have a chance at winning. Right, and, and for me it was good to see us capitalize on the power play even though it was due to a lost yeah. challenge because – between games five and six, we went like seven and a half periods without a power play, and the only power play we had was that not due to an infraction. It was due to the last challenge, and to take advantage of that and you know add to the the one goal lead was was good to see because obviously we weren't getting anything for calls. Yeah, and then did they yeah. just have the one again last night, which they also scored on? Uh, they had two, they had two. last okay. night. Yeah, but mm-hmm. the other one came kind of late in the game, I think. Right, it right. kind of didn't matter anyway. But yeah, yeah. one for two on the power play. Yeah, so uh, the uh, the power play unit of when they when they you know modified the units and kind of stacked that first unit with Eck, Kaprizov, Fiala, Zuccarello, and Spurgeon was two for three. Yeah, you know, would have been nice to maybe get a couple more looks, and the yeah. Wild probably deserved maybe a couple more looks last night. But uh, anything else about Game Six before we recap last night? Well, I just think for for me, I think personally, I mean, everyone probably agrees this, but I think a big point in that game was, you know, in the second period when Matt Dumba open ice just body slams oh, Alex Tuck down. Such a great and then And then the, awesome. and then the you know, the fight right after that and just him, you know, going, let's go to the crowd, you know, getting, it was gone. You can tell on the TV even that it was just going absolutely nuts there. And I mean, it's kind of obvious, but I think that was another big point in the game too. Just, you know, kind of get everything going again. Yeah, it definitely was, and it seemed like the team recognized that as well because I believe he got the uh, the bucket after the game uh, as well. Oh, yeah. mm-hmm. So, all right, let's transition into Game Seven last night. Uh, it was tough early going. About six minutes into the game, uh, Jonas Brodin kind of gets crunched with a questionable <laughs> hit. Probably could have been a cross check, um, but they don't call that in the playoffs. Uh, and it turns out we found out uh, via Michael Russo about probably just right about before we hopped on here. Um, it was an AC joint injury to Jonas Brodeen, which was a very, very painful for him. But it sounds like it's nothing too serious. He's in a lot of pain, but won't require surgery and should make a full recovery before next season. So that's excellent news. Uh, but being without Jonas Brodeen uh, for basically an entire Game 7 against the mm-hmm. Vegas Golden Knights is pretty much a worst-case scenario. Yeah, he's been our best uh, defensive defenseman and even chipping in offensively sometimes. and. You know he's always going against top players, and to lose him was was de- pretty much devastating. And you know, even though you got to fight through adversity and and still try to win the game, it was it was yeah. a huge blow. Because I mean, even going back to last playoffs, he was our best player in the playoffs last year, and and this year he's solid again, like always. And mm-hmm. To lose him was tough, and not just that, just kind of injuries started to pile up. I'm kind of curious to see if any other injuries kind of. Mm-hmm. Come out like Eck. He seemed like he was. It looked know, like he hurt. tore his ACL twice in that series. 
And they go to the locker room and came back and he's like, nah, I'm, I'm, I'm good. And right. I, I jokingly posted from Sound of the Foghorn yesterday the, the clip from Miracle of Rob yeah. McClanahan, <laughs> you know, going, I want to play on one leg, I'll play on one leg. And I'm like, and it, and it wasn't, I didn't think it was, you know, the, the, you know, mm-hmm. Eric's next saying he wants to be on almost the opposite of like, yeah, I can, I can fucking play on one leg. Like, no yeah. problem. Like, get me back out right. there. It's game seven, yeah. baby. Mm-hmm. My, my ACL's torn. Can I still skate? Let's go. Like, <laughs> yeah, right. like I swear to God, like, I would, it, it's going to come out. He's got, it's got to be a knee sprain of some kind. Yeah. It's like twice if you mm-hmm. watch the slow-mo, his knee Ouch. looks like it completely bends the wrong way. Like, I mm-hmm. thought for sure last night he was done and all of a sudden, like, nope, X back. And it's like, good yeah. God. This guy's right. just a it's just... horse. It's just, uh, I mean, like, I mean, Everson said he's an absolute war in the post game, and it's just that always amazes you what the what some of those guys play through. I mean, one time I remember a guy's entire mouth, I think it was in San Jose, I think it was Logan Couture, who was like basically on the verge of falling apart. But they just, uh, just throw a face shield on, you're okay, yeah. go back out yeah. there, and it's it's insane. I think just on the brooding part, I think you know, obviously, like you guys said, I think it just made it difficult because in a way they almost were back to going with 4D because I mean, Kalen Addison was playing, but they were obviously trying to you know shelter him a little bit since you know being the rookie and playing a few games so that just aside from missing one guy that obviously like justin said just created a whole you know strain of of issues on everybody but yeah no it it was uh like like you said it wasn't a great game for everybody but you know overall it was you know they battled but I, i think like we'll say here talk about here in a minute i think they just you know, like they ran out of steam against a good team. So it's... right, and and I want to say too, uh, Suter was a workhorse with yeah. How yeah. short we are having Susie out and and Brodine going down. He just he played really well up until getting freaking uh, mashed by Reeves, cheap shot. But yeah. um, man, I hate that guy. Anyways, uh, <laughs> honestly, honestly, that that game in the beginning stages when when we were down one nothing, tied it, down two to one, tied it. It, it almost felt like that series with Colorado. We were down four times and kept coming back and then went in the game. And I was like, Oh, we're going to do it again. Aren't we? And then and <laughs> things just kind of fell apart, but you know, it is what it is. And, uh, you know, I think like Brett said in past shows, this is probably going to be the worst season in the next few seasons that we have hopefully. And, and this is just the tip of what, mm. what, uh, what it's going to be hopefully. Yeah. And I, th- I just think it's, uh, you know, I, I get obviously, you know, everyone, we all want to win. We all wanted them to win the game. Uh, but, uh, you know, the the fact, like for me personally, is they got to game seven against a tough team after being down three games to one. And, and yeah, I mean, you don't want to make complete excuses, like Justin said, with the injuries last night. But that just made it even that much harder because you could tell for a lot of times that the Wild were spending a lot of time in their zone trying to defend. And, and you know, when you do that, you, they just weren't, you know, able to create. They had a few kind of pockets in the third period when they were still down by two where they did get a few chances, but it was just, you know, it was just like it had been the whole series. It was just hard for them to get into the offensive zone, you know, consistently enough. Yeah. And I think even the thing that magnifies the Brodeen injury too, is you already had Susie out. And I think I Uh, mean, in in a, in a perfect, I guess not a perfect world, but in that situation, usually Brodeen goes down. It's probably a guy like Susie who, you know, is a little bit more mobile, a little bit more of that, you know, more of that two way defender that Brodeen is, where, you know, Ian Cole's a shutdown, stay at home, doesn't skate the puck, you know, is going to camp out front and block shots. It's just It was just a completely different type of game that they were trying to replace with, you know, a stay-at-home defenseman and a rookie with whatever it was, four games of NHL experience or five games, six, mm-hmm. whatever Addison's at. And it was just such a tough a, a tough situation. Then you lose Eric Sinek for a period of time and you're, you know, 
Vegas gets Pacioretty back, and they've got you know three really strong lines. Uh, Matias Yanmark decides he's now a god in the game as well, and <laughs> it just it just all, all the cards fell the wrong way, and it just it, it it didn't feel like they play a bad you know a bad game really at all. You know, Cam Talbot played fine and everything. It just yeah. like you said, Zeke, it was just you know a team with injuries that just got worn down against a better team. Um, and on the Ryan Reeves note, I think if there's one thing Ugh. that could ever unite the Minnesota Wild and Colorado Avalanche fan bases, it's a mutual hatred of Ryan Reeves. <laughs> it's and then he has the, and then he's got to go and then he goes and whines at the refs after he comes out of the box, right. like dude. And I saw someone today going, "Well, he just ran into him trying to go around the net." It's oh, like, sure, no, he accidentally he... he accidentally shoved his face into the post yeah. when he didn't have the puck. And, and, you know what he was doing. Yeah. He knew what he was doing. Yeah. So. And also, i got to be honest, Like, I don't want to turn this into a whining with the other team session, but Mark Stone's a very good player, but he feels like kind of a tough guy who talks the talk but doesn't walk the walk with his thing about how it's going to be different with Reeves. And he's all, like, I don't know. There's just a couple guys in that team that, I mean, that's just how they play, I guess. But that's probably why Avs fans don't really like them all that much either. They just seem to, like, intentionally play dirty. Like, they're trying to hit yeah. you in the dirtiest way they can without getting a penalty, which, like, I guess, mm. but like, as I watched the wild, like I can't, you know, maybe aside from the Dumba cross check last night, which was totally uncalled for, but yeah. the way the rest had called that game, they had already said that that kind of hit was okay. But like, I don't really recall a time all year where a player really like looked like they were trying to hurt a guy on a hit. I mean, he had the Fiala mm. accidental, you know, hit from behind, which, you know, he was really like on the ice, like, Hey, are you okay? After it happened. And then Carson Seuss is getting a little carried away with the hit on a, guy that was half his size like yeah. everything else like you know though you never saw a wild player like you know out there like a ryan reeves or a robert bortuzzo or whoever else or tom wilson trying to you know take a guy's head off so i know yeah and i just you know i got it you know the other thing you know about golting i saw some conversation some on twitter and on some post-game radio shows uh, in this town where there were some people going man they they really didn't get a save last night and I even saw a few people were saying they weren't happy with the goaltending in this series, and I got to be completely honest. Like, I don't like to rip on people that much, but if that's if that's where you're going, like, I, I don't know how you can possibly it's the least put of their in. problems. Yeah, like last night, I mean, he stole you two games in that building already, and you know, yeah, I guess maybe the second goal early in in the, in the period there in Game Seven, you could have maybe said he was could have stopped because there wasn't much of a screen, but I believe Fiala did tip it a little bit, so. Maybe that one, but like, other than that, like, like he had uh, Zach Whitecloud come right down, right top of the circle, wide open, all all time and room to shoot. It's like, I don't know. I just don't, I don't know what you you know what more you really could have wanted out of him in the seven game series, considering how they played in some of those games. So, yeah, he he gave them exactly what they needed, and that was you know just a steadiness in net that mm-hmm. made the team in front of him confident. Because I think that's something we talked about last year is especially the difference between when it was Dubnik and Stalock. It just seemed like when Dubnik was in net, the Wild just felt the need that they, you know, they couldn't take chances and they had to play conservative because it just didn't trust yeah. that Dubnik would make the save. But when Stalock was in, they seemed to play with a little more confidence. And I think you saw with both goalies this year, there was just so much more confidence in, hey, we can take some chances on some plays because we're confident that whoever it's going to be, whether it's Talbot or Kacken, is going to come up with a stop for us. And I think – that is, you know, both in the playoffs and the regular season was just a huge difference for this team. And and uh, a lot of those returning guys, I think you could really feel that confidence in them. Right. For something that was a huge question mark, like you kind of mentioned in the offseason, to have 
basically Talbot be our MVP in the playoffs was it was awesome, an mm-hmm. awesome change from the last few years. So, but yeah, yeah. It, it's it is what it is. I know people are complaining either way, and and rightfully so at times. But it, it seems like some some people are just miserable no matter what. It's, yeah. it's you know if you can't see where this team is headed and and kind of with with the leadership and and kind of the prospect pool we have and the draft capital we have. If you can't see kind of where it's going, then I'm sorry for you. <laughs> yeah, I, I agree completely with that statement. I just sometimes I think uh, Brandon Lusky K fan said last night how amazing it is how, you know, people get so worked up watching the games. And it's just like, especially last night, mm-hmm. it could be the last game of the season. Just, you know, we all do this for fun. It's, it's, we all, it's what we like to do. It's our passion. Like, just just enjoy it. And like Justin said, there, you know, there's things to look forward to. I mean, hey, in a couple of weeks here, we'll start hearing – you know, stuff from Russo, I'm sure, on, you know, what potentially moves you're going to make, draft stuff, like you said. So, uh, you know, like I said, I, for me, like, I always want to win. But re- really, for me, it's just, you know, did you, did they, was the effort there? Was it close? Was it fun to watch? And then even if, at the end of the day, even if you don't, if you come up a little bit short, like, you know, it's, it, like you said, it's just, it's hard to be, you know, disappointed with how this year went, uh, considering what we thought going in. And just, you know, I think it was just, yeah, I agree. Yeah. The take that ticked me off the most was the oh, this is the same old wild. No, yeah. It's like no, the same old wild was a team that had a core of players that were, you know, twenty seven, twenty eight years old that have been around for three, four years. It's their you know, it's their fourth playoff. They traded away a first round pick at the deadline. They don't really have a prospect pool and they've gone all in and then they exit in the first round. That's the same old wild. This is completely different. You've got your your best players are all under the age of twenty five, basically. You've got, you know, three rookies who probably could all contend for the Calder next year, potentially, and and Boldy Addison and Rossi. It's gonna be an awesome rookie class next year, by the way. Um whoever wins that Calder, it's gonna have to be very well deserved. Um but anyway, like you have you have this you have five you have five draft picks in the first three rounds, and you have a prospect pool as deep as it's ever been. And you've got a GM who knows what the hell he's doing with ammo to make moves if he wants to. Like, it's so it couldn't be further from the same old wild. Like they so far overachieved this season, still mm-hmm. like they exceed expectations and, and took you know the runner up to the President's Trophy to seven games uh, as a road team. Like that's just yeah. it's great. Like it, I don't know how you can be yeah. mad. Right, as a road year, so. as a road team and a team that's in transition, and mind you, year one of a transition of of like the first year, full year of Garen doing his job. So, exactly. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, let's let's uh, keep moving away from the negativity here. Uh, do you yes. guys have anything else on on the seven game playoff series against Vegas, or should we uh, move into kind of chatting about uh, our favorite uh, moments and, and memories from twenty twenty one? I'm well, good to move on uh, unless he has something. I, I, I'm good with moving on. Yeah, I just have one quick thought that, you know, as I said on Twitter, I'd, I'm never sure. Uh, I, I never thought I would say this, but uh, go Avs, go. <laughs> despite, how, which... despite how much that might irritate some of you listening, you might not like that. Uh, you know, that's just how it's going to be. Hey, I'm rooting for the Avs too, but might have to go mo- uh, wash my mouth out with soap after the show. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I-, I will ask. So, do you guys mm. do you guys have a bandwagon to jump on a team that that's mm. remaining that that you're pushing for to win the cup as like a as a as a second favorite team, or maybe two if you can't p- pick just one. Mm-hmm. I guess. Um, per- I'll go. I got. I'm- 
I guess I don't know. I guess I, I I don't mind I don't mind the Islanders. Some of their fans kind of annoy me, but I wouldn't hate seeing them go on another run. Uh, you know, and as much as I would not hate Toronto blowing this series and, and losing spectacular fashion because of just the reaction from their fans, uh, I wouldn't mind seeing them either. And especially, I think the dream matchup in the in the Stanley Cup final or in the semifinal would be them against Boston. I think would be really cool. So yeah, no, those are kind of a couple teams that I'm kind of hoping for. Yeah, I, I think for me, I would jump on the aisles as well, but the other team that really interests me more than all the others is uh, Carolina. You know, yeah. just seeing Nino Niederreiter and their young team and fun team, the rookie goalie, uh, Nadeljevic. I have a hard time saying his name. Nadeljevic. Yeah, Nadeljevic. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, you got you. Just, I don't know. But I, they're just a fun team. Yeah. Carolina's my number one. Obviously, because you know, if it's not Miko Koivu that we're talking about, Nino Niederreiter's, yeah. <laughs> you know, a, a very close one beating Miko Koivu for my all-time favorite player. So I'm always going to root for the team he's on. Plus, there's like there's nothing you can't like about the Hurricanes. Like, I don't have any dirty players. Jordan Stahl's freaking awesome. Rod mm-hmm. Brindamore's a great coach. You know, they're a great run organization. So they're my other one. But I'm also rooting for the Avs because yeah. I just. It is a treat to watch Nathan McKinnon and Kale McCarr on the ice every night, and the longer we get to see them with McDavid out, everybody wins if those two keep playing. So. Yeah. And i got to be honest about the car. It's kind of has, I said this in the group chat a couple weeks ago, but it feels like they're kind of like Tampa, where if they don't win this year, it almost feels a little bit wrong in, in a way because it's just how good they look. So. Yeah, I mean, they, they just rolled over St. Louis. So I, I'm interested to see how this series with Vegas goes because you have – you know, mm-hmm. Vegas coming off a pretty hard-fought seven-game series. They get tonight off, and then game one is in Denver tomorrow. Yeah. So, you know, you play an emotional game seven, and Colorado's mm-hmm. coming off a sweep, tons of rest, tons of time to prepare. It, it could go either way, but it wouldn't surprise me if Colorado absolutely destroys Vegas in game one, and then we see things tighten up a little bit after that. For sure. All right, well, let's get into our favorite. Oh, one nothing Montreal. They finally scored. Yeah. All right. Uh, let's, yeah. Let's get into our favorite memories of the year. I feel like it's been a while since I've picked first. So you guys cool if I get, if I go first? Yeah. Go ahead. And then uh, I don't know how you guys want to decide two and three. I don't remember the orders from. from I don't know. Zeke, ones. you can take two. Oh, okay. Look at that. What a guy. <laughs> Justin just wants the two picks at the turn. Yeah. There we go. All right. All right. We don't know how many rounds we're going to go. We're going to kind of wing it. We'll start with, we'll start with four. And if we still have feel like we have enough and don't take each other's too much, then we'll keep going. But so I'll go number one. I think. Uh, oh, and by the way, that the criteria was it can basically just be anything from the season, a memory, an event, something that happened, a, a cumulative something, if that makes sense, um, beginning at the draft, um, and then coming all the way to now. So. Um, my number one, and I think the reaction uh, when I was live on the Soda Pod speaks for itself, uh, <laughs> but it was it would be the wild drafting Marco Rossi is my number one. Uh, you know, our, our draft crush, the guy that we didn't think was going to be there, um, gets to the wild, uh, a, sh- a true short king, um, one of one, one like me, and uh, that, that was probably, it's just too hard to not pick that. Um, there yeah, are some was- really close seconds, but I just think my reaction to that moment Mm-hmm. Uh, had to had to make it number one for me. Yeah, that was awesome. We talked about even on our draft show, like, man, this is the guy we want, but I don't think he's making it past like four or five. And 
he just kept falling and falling and yep. and then Buffalo picks before us and they go Ottawa 67. Oh. I was like, Oh, here we freaking go <laughs> right before us. And then they draft, uh, brain fart on the name, but Jack Quinn, I think, right? Yeah. Jack Quinn. And I'm like, Oh my God, he fell to us. Holy crap. Like yeah. you can, it's you happening. Can, you can always count on the Sabres. So. I just remember yeah. sitting on the soda pod and I've got Corey Pronman's tweets turned on just for the draft. And all of a sudden I, I just, I just see the tweet. Buffalo takes Quinn. I'm like, no fucking way. No way. I was like, do the thing, Garen. Do the thing. Yeah, that was great. It was awesome. I think Montreal might be challenging for goal interference. I don't know. All right, huh. uh, Zeke, you got number two. What was uh, – hopefully I didn't steal your number one. What, what was your top? Yeah, well, I feel kind of a little bad for taking this because, uh, you know, I'm sure Justin might, but I'm going to go with uh, the first goal. Uh, overtime winner in LA in this first game. I mean, like this was a kind of a, everyone was like, you know, like going absolutely bananas on, on Twitter and I'm yeah. sure wherever they're watching the game. And, you know, it was late at night. They came back from down two. I mean, obviously he also had three points, but I just remember, you know, he steps up on, I think it was Drew Doughty and steals the puck and goes in. And it's just, when you see it trickle lot off the skate and going, just full slide through quick slag, it was just, it was just, you know, like, like we've said many times this podcast, it's just, it was a culmination of like literally half a decade of waiting and, you know, hoping and being excited. And I just, you know, that I was just on a high for the rest of that night until like three in the morning when I finally went to bed and waking up the next day. And it, it was just, you know, like I've said a few times to you guys before it was just you know seeing him play and seeing that that first goal it was really just a kind of a dream come true and it was i think for me it was and for a lot of wild fans i'm sure it was just the for me the far and away number one moment for me yeah i think that really set the tone of the season especially his rookie season the three-point yeah. debut and game-winning goal was like oh my god this never happens to minnesota <laughs> and it's happening like same thing with the rossi falling it was like mm-hmm. good things just kept falling to us and happening so yeah. All right, Justin. It uh, yeah, that's I had that. It was actually number four, I think, on my list. But it yeah, uh, it could have been number two. I have a lot that are kind of really close. So yeah, it was definitely just. Uh, I remember tweeting before the gate, like before before overtime. Like I said, if Kaprizov scores the game winner, wild Twitter's gonna explode. And then uh, <laughs> Alexis Pearson from Pardon Beauty is like, if Krill scores, my I'll name my first son after him and. Yeah, you know, sure enough, he makes Drew Dye look like a freaking terrible defender, which he is, and <laughs> scores the goal. And of course, all you know, the just euphoria breaks out. It yeah. was, it was, it was a really good moment. I think, like Zeke, like you said, just a hack, a half a decade of waiting for this fan base just to finally get something was mm-hmm. was awesome. So, uh, Justin, it goes to you now with a uh, two. You get two. Two. Let's see. Man, you guys took the top two. <laughs> Great minds think alike, guys. We very, we very much. So. I think I'm going to go with uh, Kaprizov's wraparound goal versus the Kings against Doughty because, you know, I, I felt it was kind of ironic because Doughty kept, like, going after him. It seemed like yeah. he had a thing against Kaprizov, kept, like, cross-checking him and, and trying to basically run him, and, and Kaprizov basically makes him look stupid wraps around scores and just it seemed like he did that all season long where a team would basically go after him or cross check him or hit him wrong and and he'd come back and just score and be like f you in that way yeah, <laughs> yeah. good pick uh, and then know. man i have so many caprice moments but i honestly <laughs> think 
I think half of mine involve Capri Soft in some way. Same here. Same here. <laughs> yeah, that's that's about where yeah. I'm at too. I want to go with the Capri Soft one, but I'm I'm gonna go with the Return of the Fans. Okay. Mm, yeah. Okay. Good. I I think uh, the piped in noise was getting old, and, and it kind of felt like for that. I mean, it was a pandemic, and we had to do what we had to do, but it, it felt like it was never gonna return, and that it was little amount of fans but the fact that they were starting to come back and you actually heard crowd noise and and the fans being able to get behind these boys and seeing Kaprizov live and, and just it just was awesome to see and it was almost like emotional <laughs> yeah it was a that's a great one because I mean you know even just watching on the game on the tv like you said it was just you know it was kind of like that in game six recently when when you just hear people going nuts after goals or whatever it just it was you know not only is it just fun we're used to it was just like you said is that sense of you know normalcy that this is kind of what we're used to and yeah i know that it was great the, that first game we really lost it was just uh it was great to just hear all the normal sounds and stuff that you hear during games yeah so zeke it's gonna go back to you yeah getting getting fans back was huge i have I have a version of that on mine i don't i don't think it'll count <laughs> as the same pick so it's still there for me if i want it all right, all right zeke, go see you hmm well, this is kind of tough, but I personally okay. I'm gonna go with uh, the first game that I attended, uh, the one game I attended this year with the six to five comeback win over Vegas about Dang two it. weeks left in the regular season. <laughs> yeah, was that was, that was my next pick. It was. I mean, like we, like Brett said, well, that was you know one of the better regular season wild games that we've seen pretty probably in the history of the team. And it was like the first couple periods, it was back and forth. You know, you know, wild get a goal, then they'll come back with two, and, and down by. You know, they had come back, like, from two goals multiple times against the Blues before that. So, you know, there was kind of that feeling I had, too, even in the third period when you get under 10 minutes that, you know, this game isn't over. And sure enough, Kevin Fiala scores about nine minutes left, and then obviously Kaprizov with the tying goal kind of off the far post with minute 30, and then Jonas Burdine through a screen, like, 20 seconds later. It was, you know, this is a little enhanced for me being there in person, but it was just, it was even with the only the 3,000 fans in there, it was just it was so loud, and it was, it was just... It's such a fun game, just the, the back and forth, the, the offense. It, I don't know. It was just, it was just really, really fun, really fun. Yeah, I think yeah. I, I brought up on on this show out the week after that game, or the show after that game happened, and I think maybe out from my memory, outside of the game seven against Colorado, I think that was the best wild game I had ever watched. Yeah. Just like from an excitement standpoint, like it, like there was eleven goals and just. For the mm-hmm. Wilder rally late, and for it to you know for it to be Fiala and Kaprizov to you know put them within one, and then to tie the game, and it was a I believe Kaprizov, I believe the the goal was assisted by Fiala, so just to have those two yeah. kind of lead that charge back, mm-hmm. and then for Jonas Brodin of all players just to get mm-hmm. to get the winner, like it's like oh okay you know we forced overtime, and then you know mm-hmm. with whatever it was a little over a minute left, they they get the game winner. It's just like oh hell yeah, yeah. and that's yeah. it. At the time too, it was you know that they were still in contention for home ice and and trying to catch them in the standing. So it was a huge regulation win too. I yep. mean, it didn't happen, but yeah, no, that that, that was a great game. Yeah, well, that, t- that might have been one of the first times that, or only times I've seen both teams have to pull their goalies. Like it was just a <laughs> turn of events. <laughs> that, That's true. It, it was just yeah, one of the probably the funnest game we watched this year. Also, yeah. hey Colorado, you're welcome because that win gave you home ice. So yeah, yeah, come on, Avs fans, you can you don't have to hate us all the time. Yeah. So all right. Well, speaking of the Avs, for not for my next pick, 
Um, it's hard not to love absolutely shit kicking the Avs, mm. um, despite uh, talking high of them earlier. It's they're still a rival, and when uh, you knock them down eight to three, and Fiala gets a hat trick and Kaprizov scores twice, it's it's pretty hard to draw up a uh, more fun win than that one. I remember just it was like it was just like ah, oh, like it just so felt fun. good because the Avs are so good. They kicked our butt twice, you know, prior mm-hmm. to this. And they go out there and just, you know, Kevin Fiala hat trick, Kaprizov two goals, and they just kind of twist a knife in the abs. Even if it was just for one game, uh, felt very good. So with Zeke taking my number two, I have to go to my number three uh, there. Mm-hmm. And then my number four was Kaprizov's first goal, so can't do that. <laughs> um have a number five but i'm I'm gonna pivot off that one and i'm gonna go a little off the board here with my next one i'm gonna go matt boldy winning the gold medal and just his overall world juniors performance because i think you had kind of seen like i you know at the end of his junior year in college like okay this kid you know starts to look like he he's picking it up and and starting to play well and looks like you know it was a good pick and then we saw him on the world juniors and it's like holy crap he's so good mm-hmm. And, right. you know, if it wasn't for Trevor Zegras, you know, he was the team's MVP, you know, just awesome and just got the hype going for him. And, I, you know, the way we, we were covering that and and being able to watch all the wild prospects and being able to see Matt Boley go to the World Juniors and just be a star there was, was a really good memory for me from this year. And we had the Boley watch. It never came to be, but uh, it'll be an exciting debut next year whenever it uh, does mm-hmm. finally happen. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. All right, Zeke, uh, back to you. Okay, I think for my third one, I'm going to go with the Matt Dumba buzzer beater overtime goal against the mm, Kings. Yep. With the you know the reverse retro knife, both teams wearing the, the the retro jerseys, which was really cool to see the you know the Kings purple and gold and the Wild North Star colored jerseys. I mean, you know, I think that was game if I remember right. They were up three nothing, I think, early in, in the first period, and they they uh, had to you know they for LA forced overtime. They come in, you know, it was kind of just a dump into the zone Zuccarello going to the boards with like you know four guys on him and he just thought oh nothing's gonna happen here there's like three seconds left but he just made a great pass out, out to Matt Dumba who was wide open right in front of the net and just made one little kind of twitch of his arm and then put it kind of a half empty net and I just remember you know just jumping up going nuts and, and then at first I turned around uh, it was celebrating the goal and my dad goes well the clock might have been out and you know I was kind of it was kind of irritated with that but no that that was just I don't know. I feel like that was one of those games where we were saying, you know, it would have been great if there were fans in the building for that moment. So. Yeah, for sure. All right, Justin, we'll go to you for potentially your last two, but we might go a fifth if we have enough. So. All right. Do well, the two you really gonna... want. Oh, I got a few on here, man. I actually <laughs> came up with quite a bit. <laughs> I'm going to go with Caprizov's first career hat trick versus the Coyotes. That was one of the next ones on my list. It was just fun. You, you knew hopefully it was eventually going to come, but uh, mm-hmm. just he just dominated that game in a four nothing win against the Coyotes, and and basically had one of the funnest goals of the year too when he was circling the zone, mohawking, and, and just ripped it over Kemper. That Dude, that was uh, doing against Kemper moment. too was just a nice little like <laughs> yeah exactly. And then I'm actually going to do a boldy moment as well. I'm going to go with his debut in Iowa because, you know, we, we knew how he did in college, knew how he did at the World Juniors. And then I was like, okay, here, this is his first pro game. Let's see how he impacts it and and how his game translates to, to the pros. 
and he ended up getting two points. So, you know, we see Kaprizov and Boldy get, while wow, it's AHL and NHL, they both got uh, multi-point debuts. So that was fun. Mm-hmm. And it kind of set the tone there, too, getting, what, like 18 points in 14 games. So, you know, a good uh, sample size. Definitely. For sure. And then you have another one. Or did you I do, do two? Oh, no, I yeah, did the hat, the hat trick, trick and then, and then Baldi. Yeah. Uh... So he gets back to you. Okay. Hmm. Well, I think uh, for this one, for number four, I'm going to go with, uh, I think the game was uh, April 1st, uh, Wild in Vegas after, I think I had the schedule right here. Uh, let me see. Yeah, that was uh, after a couple of tough losses to San Jose. You know, they were kind of, kind of, that was kind of a little bit after those two Colorado demolitions mm. where they were kind of starting to struggle and cam talbot had a great game and, and especially i think you know the, my moment from that game where they won three two in the shootout is going to be you know the two the the robberies he had i think both on keegan colasar yeah. including the one on the two on one where he you know had three fourths empty net and, and stuck his glove out and just snagged it and then right off the ensuing face off after that uh you know, Cole saw another rebound with an open net and he just got his mm-hmm. stick on it about a couple inches in front of the goal line. And it was just, you know, that was, it was at that point when he made those great saves, you know, you're all hyped up and you, you just knew they were probably going to find a way to win with him playing that night. So, yeah, I'm going to go with the, the, those two saves. Yeah, I had that one on my list. That's a good one. Um, I think we can go five here. Do you guys feel like you each have one more you could do? Yeah, yeah I think so. All right, so we'll go two at the turn. Uh, let's see. Uh, for my next one, I'm going to go with one that was kind of the three of us um, in this podcast is when we uh, got the chance to bring on Scott Wheeler. Mm. Um, I think that was just a really cool moment for us. I think that was kind of a launching point for our podcast in a way. Pretty much ever since that show, we've seen our views increase. We've seen our interaction increase. So uh, it was huge for Scott to come on as, you know, we, we you know, with, with our focus on prospects and how much we follow the team, it was really cool to have Scott on and, you know, get his insight on some of these players and to, have him dive a little deeper into maybe some of those deeper prospects and get opinions on guys like a, a Philip Lindbergh, who I'm curious to see if his opinion has changed after after this season and seeing what he did, um, you know, mm-hmm. and what, you know, an undersized goalie like UC Saros is doing for Nashville. I'm not saying that Lindbergh is the next UC Saros, but I'm also not saying Lindbergh couldn't be the next UC Saros. Yeah. So um, I just think that was a really fun show for us and especially all the, uh, the house lad with getting that recording and to, to piece it all together. And first it's still the work was, yeah, that was, that goodness. was in the middle of our, our couple of weeks where we had serious yeah. issues, which was, oh, yeah. man, we were so worried that we were going to lose that one. It was like, no, yeah. but that, no, that was, that, that's a good one too. Very, that was really fun. All right. And then for my very last one, this one's more of just kind of a me thing. Um, so I saved it for last because I knew it's something neither of you two could really pick. <laughs> um, but, you know, I, I kind of started up my obsession with Nico Sturm and the hashtag Sturm morning thing. And I think mm-hmm. just kind of as that caught on, it was just really cool that every time Nico Sturm scored, I would have like 10 people in my mentions like, Nico Sturm goal, so happy for you, Brett. And it's just really <laughs> cool that like wild fans acknowledge that like, hey, when Nico Sturm scores, it's, it's a goal for Brett before anybody else. Mm-hmm. So that was always cool. So those of you that tag me when Nico Sturm scores, thank you. Because it, it, uh, it makes me chuckle and laugh every time. It's pretty cool. So. I almost felt like you started that, and then you see like Bally Sports come out with a graphic that's like stir morning, and you're like, "Fuck yeah!" Like yeah, <laughs> we started it, or maybe we didn't start it, but it almost felt like you started it. There was like a couple of us that kind of like I think collectively came up with the stir morning hashtag. I just pushed the heck out of it and made it a thing. So, 
Yeah, so there we go. So to recap my five, I had uh, the Wild drafting Marco Rossi, uh, the 8-3 to destruction of the Avalanche, uh, the Matt Bully gold medal, getting Scott Wheeler on the podcast, and this getting tagged every time Nico Sturm scored a goal. That's my five. So. Uh, Zeke, your last pick, and then uh, once you make the pick, uh, re- recap your five as well. Okay, so I think for this one I'm going to go a little bit kind of with the not the same thing uh, as Brett did with Scott, but I'm going to go just in general just to see the, uh, the a lot of the interaction that we had with it, both people that were, you know, at times we got several DMs from people like, uh, you know, Johnny Drummond over in the U.K., who has been? Who's we've talked with a lot. Just seeing him and some other people. I think uh, on Instagram. I think Brett, you, you saw this. Uh, uh, Shane Brisland. He also DM'd us and said how much you know us doing the show has helped him become a fan and stuff like that. And I just, I don't. know, I think it's just really cool when you hear from people. Just not even you, you, every time you hear from people about something you do for fun, it's it's really nice. And I think it was just really cool to hear that you know there's people listening. You know, half all the way across across the Atlantic Ocean, over in Europe, all the way on the other side of the United States. And I just think it was just really cool, the fact that, you know, there's actually, you know, a couple hundred people out there who sit down every week and, you know, willingly listen to us talk about hockey for a week. Because I personally, I can never listen to my own voice. Uh, so, <laughs> I, you know, it's just, it's just really cool that, uh, the, you know, the amount of people and the amount of variety of places that uh, we've got people listening to from this year. So I just think that's just been really cool. Yeah, that's a really good one. I know we have uh, – I don't know who runs the accounts, but there's the the Liga Continental account, which mm-hmm. I believe was uh-huh. like a follow kind of uh, – was um, I believe Sam Sonoff and Kaprizov yeah. in the KHL, and they're constantly interacting. And I believe they're over in Russia. And then there's also, you know, the whole clan of um, the Victor Ass lovers from uh, Brazil, too, <laughs> which is super cool. Yeah, that, wild, wild Brazil. Know. Yeah, so that was. So and then, I guess and then of just... course, uh, Frederick too, over in uh, in uh, oh, Denmark yeah, yeah. there. So like, just to, like you said, just For to sure. know that, like, hey, this little, this little uh, podcast from you know, northwestern or north, you know, northwest metro Minnesota is reaching, you know, corners of you know, on you know, three different <laughs> continents is pretty freaking mm-hmm. cool. So and, it is. and the yeah, fact so. that when you first asked, you're like, "Do you guys want to hop in and do this?" And I was like, "I'm so introverted," and I was like trying to convince myself like a way not to do it because <laughs> I didn't want to talk. And then I was like, "Just freaking do it! Like, put yourself out mm-hmm. there and, and better yourself." And uh, I'm so glad I did. And it's even if I'm the Victor Ask of our line. <laughs> I mean, no, I'm wow. just kidding. But anyways, I had to say that because I, I thought that was kind of funny when, when oh, yeah, the <laughs> they come up with those lines and I was like, oh, I'm left out. Great. Um, but no. I can't remember it, who it did it, but someone put me at left D and I'm like, oh, man, I'm a right-handed shot who <laughs> sucks at defense. Like, I can't think of a worse spot to play yeah. me. But uh, yeah, yeah shout out to Seth. That was a, I, don't, I didn't see if the, a lot of people participated in that, but that was a really fun idea that uh, he threw out there. Uh, from yeah, it sure was. That was cool. But it's been amazing to be a part of this and see the interaction we get and even, you know, pick up guests for the future that, that we may have and, and the guests we have had on the show. It's almost like you see these guys put out this awesome work and then they're on your show. You're like, holy crap, like, we can do mm-hmm. things here. Yeah. But the support has been amazing, so... You know, I'll just, yeah, no, I agree with everything. So it's been awesome. So I'll just read off my uh, top yeah. five again. Yeah, so, five. For, 
Number one, I had Kaprizov's first goal, the overtime goal in the first game in L.A. Number two, I had the 6-5 uh, comeback win against Vegas within the last couple weeks of the regular season. Number three, I had Matt Dumba's buzzer beater overtime goal against the L.A. Kings on reverse retro night. Uh, number four, I had uh, Cam Talbot's uh, robberies against Keegan Colsar in Vegas in early April. And then number five, like we just talked about, uh, just the listeners from around the world and then just all the cool interaction that we've had this year. Very nice. Um, and speaking of, um, you know, Zeke, you talked about just all the you know, the wild people and, and creating a legacy and stuff. Um, Giles Farrell uh, of 10K Rinks announced yeah. that he will be uh, done writing there, of course, his podcast with Ben Remington. Giles and the goalie wrapped up kind of in the past year as well. So just shout out to Giles on an awesome, you know, wild, you know, blogger, Twitter sphere career. Uh, I think a lot of people tune into your work and appreciate your gifts and everything. So Giles, if you're listening, congrats. Uh on a so, great on, on, on a great work and good luck on uh, you know whatever comes next and and uh, just a shout out to Giles so uh, Justin to you for uh, your very last favorite memory from the season or just your top five not your not your last favorite yeah I got a few here but I think I want to go with uh, the Felino Gordy Howe hat trick versus the Sharks mm, good one yeah I, I just felt like you know he. Yeah, that was such a fun game to watch, and and that on top of it, and then I think it was almost like the next night he almost did it again, and it was like it was almost like I keep saying the word like I need to stop that, but <laughs> uh, Felino broke out this year too on top of like on top of Joel Erickson Eck breaking out, and but yeah, that that Gordy Howe hat trick was a fun game to watch. Yeah, so it was like a five or six to two win against the Sharks. I uh, I uh, finished up doing the stats today, and I just like looked at what Felino's shooting percentage ended up at. It was twenty seven and a half percent. So he ended Oof. up with eleven goals on forty shots, and basically said "fuck you" to regression. Doesn't exist for me. Um, among forwards who played five hundred minutes or more, he had the best shooting percentage in the NHL. I think the next closest. I can't remember who it was. I think it was like down by like twenty four percent. So it was like three and a half percent over the next closest player who played, you know, at least as much as he did. So, right. is it sustainable? Absolutely not. He absolutely will not be a career twenty seven and a half percent shooter. So, but yeah, like you said, it's really cool to see Felino just have a, just an awesome year. Especially just, you know, I think he really has gotten respect from the fan base over the last kind of year and a half, and just to have a big season and make a big impact just had to be huge for, for him and for the team. So, right. So then, I'll, I'll kind of recap my five yeah, picks. It five. was the, the Caprice of rapper on goal versus the Kings. It was the fans returning to the building. It was uh Caprice of first career hat trick. Boldy's Iowa debut. And then the Felino Gordy Howe hat trick game. Well, there you have it. And we're not going to have you guys vote on this because, uh, you know, our favorite moments are our favorite moments, and no one can take that away from us. So we're not going to have you vote. But what we will have you do is we will send out a tweet uh, for you to quote or reply with, uh, you know, your top five favorite memories from the season. It's just a kind of way to just reminisce what was a really fun season. So uh, watch out for that. Uh, we'll probably pin it uh, to the profile or link it in a thread uh, with uh, the information from from this podcast. But So that will basically wrap up uh, the regular season uh, for this show, we are going to take probably these next three weeks or so off um, unless, you know, the Wild, you know, make some sort of splash trade here in the month of June um, or, you know, 
Kaprizov's re-signed or, or, or whatever it is. Um, but our plan as of now, here's our uh, – we're going to give you our full schedule here so you guys can uh, just, you know, be excited and, and have stuff to look forward to. Here's what's coming up. So, like I said, we'll take about a three weeks off here, and we'll be back on June 17th to do um, – we're going to review each of the players, coaches, and Bill Guerin and just kind of give them, you know, a rating, you know, a grade skill, A to F, and just kind of rank their seasons, discuss, you know, which players we thought did well, you know, maybe pull out some, you know, some of the average guys and ones we, you know, expected more or ones that had breakouts, things like that, and we'll grade each of the players. So that should be a really fun show uh, to kind of get our input and see how we viewed players, you know, similarly or differently, knowing us, we'll give every player the same grade. <laughs> uh, and then the following week, uh, we're going to have some, you know, just some fun. We're going to not talk wild for a week. Um, before ramping up a ton of wild, we're going to discuss, you know, if, if we were given the opportunity to make rule changes in the NHL, um, what, what those rule changes would be. So it could, I've, I've got some wild ones, some ones I think are sensible <laughs> and some ones that are kind of out there. So I'm looking forward to that one. It should be a fun one. Um, and then after that in July, we really ramp up with tons of draft coverage. So um, on July 1st, so just before that 4th of July weekend, we'll be doing an entry draft preview show so we'll talk about you know kind of the first round of prospects um you know which players we hope might fall or you know maybe some late guys that the wild could steal we'll know by then where their picks are i believe right now they should be kind of in the 20 to 28 range i think Mm -hmm. um so that's the area we'll kind of be looking at you know we'll, we'll touch on some of the top prospects but we'll focus more on those ones um that the wild will have the opportunity to draft and then the next two weeks after that will be a ton of fun. We will be doing a Seattle expansion mock draft. So it'll be a two-part, it'll be a two-week show. The first week we'll do the Eastern Conference. The second week we'll do the West. We'll each be drafting a team. So we'll each be selecting, you know, one player from each team. And we'll be discussing which players we chose and, and debate, you know, maybe why one player might be better. Those could be long shows, but I think those will be a ton of fun. Um, so that'll be July 8th and 15th, um, right before the expansion draft there. And then on either July 25th or 26th, it depends. I'll be coming back from a golf trip. Um, so we'll see how tired I am on that <laughs> Sunday. Maybe push it back to Monday, but we'll be recapping both the expansion draft and the entry draft. Talk about implications of obviously of, you know, who the wild lose and, and what it means for the team. And then also, you know, talking about the prospects that they snagged. Um, in the NHL draft. So that should be a fun one as well. And then um, that same week on July 29th, uh, we'll be diving into free agency. So by then, I believe that's the day after free agency opens. So we'll talk about any players the Wild sign on day one. And then also, you know, maybe just preview some players that might still be out there and moves that they could make things along those lines. So a really jam-packed, fun offseason planned uh for us tons of shows really excited about and then you know if news does break at some point we'll do a same day reaction to the best of our ability um to get that out there as well maybe a little you know 20 30 minute uh instant reaction so that's what's on tap gentlemen of those shows which one are you the most excited for i think personally i'm excited for the recap of the expansion draft and entry draft and it's almost a tie with the draft preview because running the prospects page, I, I've really been big into the prospects, and this this adds to what is already a strong prospect pool. So I'm I'm really excited to see who we get. I'm not excited to see who we lose in the expansion draft, but it'll just be fun to recap everything. I think. 
Yeah, no, I I think I'm pretty much the same. A uh, quick note: uh, Montreal did go up two nothing. I don't know if you guys saw, but yeah, they. I've got blew it. in the background here. Oh yeah, so it's stinking Montreal. But yeah, no, I think for me, I think I'm pretty similar to Justin. I, I know last year the draft preview episode we did was really fun. So I also I'm just looking forward to just kind of diving into that and doing research on players once we know where they're picking. But I think also the expansion draft uh, mock draft episodes we're going to do would be really fun. Just. Uh, you know, each pick our own teams and kind of see what differences we have, what we think could happen. So I think that'll be re- really cool and, and, and fun for you guys to listen to. And also, I just think that kind of two, three week window will be really fun from, like we just said, with the expansion draft and the actual draft with, you know, combined with, you know, who knows what kind of trades they make, uh, if guys are resigned and all that. So I just think overall, aside from those two, I think that'll just be a fun kind of really fun, like two week, two or three week stretch there in the middle of July. I, I just want to add before you uh, you give yours, Brett, uh, yeah, if people want to start looking now into who we could possibly draft, since we're probably going to be in the 20s for both picks unless a trade happens, uh, and NHL Central Scouting has released their list of players, and you can kind of start seeing who may fall into that range. They kind of have a bracket of American, or like North American skaters and then international skaters, so uh, kind of start doing your research if you want and, and looking up players and what, what they bring, so... Yeah, Just I believe. To throw that out there. Yeah, and I think Scott Wheeler's on maternity leave. I believe him and his wife had a baby, and I believe he said that goes to the end of May, and that his first article when he comes back in June will be, I believe, it's the top 100 uh, draft eligible prospects too. So that should be coming out here within the next week or so too. So that'll be another resource, and of course, we're always gonna mm-hmm. gonna push Scott's work uh, on yeah. here. My thing I'm most excited for is definitely the, the Seattle expansion mock draft, because that's just, that's where my brain has always lived, you know, creating <laughs> teams and being the armchair GM and, um, you know, maybe making some controversial picks. Um, but I think that'll be a fun one. It might be some longer shows, but I think it'll be interesting to see. I'm, I'm curious to see who you guys pick and how we, you know, yep. how, how we design roster construction and things like that. So, uh, I'm surprised we actually got an hour-long show tonight. I, I didn't think we'd get there, but reminiscing yeah. for half hour on memories did the <laughs> trick, uh, leaving things sure on a did. positive note. So uh, as I mentioned, we'll be on a hiatus for the next three weeks. Uh, you know, we'll probably still have some memes and stuff that back out every now and again uh, from the pod account, but just going to take a little break to reset, digest this season before we, you know, make hasty judgments uh, on players, I'm looking at you, Marcus Johansson and Rick DeRoss, um, to really digest the seasons to make sure we give them fair grades uh, in our next show. And then uh, one more show in the month. So two more, two shows a month of June and then a very, very busy July, but uh, something very excited for. So, uh, guys, before we sign off uh, here on this Saturday evening, uh, any final thoughts on the wild season, on what's upcoming, anything like that? Yeah, I don't know. I think overall it was just, you know, just like we said earlier, just a really fun season, especially with, you know, the way the past year has gone from every for everyone to varying degrees. I think it was just really nice to have something that even when you couldn't go to games and there weren't fans of the games, to have something normal, something that, you know, we're all used to watching, we that we all love doing and just having, you know, something to look forward to and something to, to cheer and root for every night, I think was just really fun. The fact that, you know, like we talked about with Prusab and other guys was just it was just an absolute blast and it really was just kind of an escape kind of in the last year, which has been pretty tough for everyone. So I think that's just kind of my main takeaway. And also lastly, uh, well, aside and also again, huge thank you to everyone who's like said earlier to has listened to his interact with us on Twitter. Uh, it really means a ton to us and we just, we can't thank you enough for doing that. And also lastly, uh, 
uh, you know, he, another reason, I mean, we don't want to pile on too much, but another reason pound Victor Ask, <laughs> I will not have to purchase a Victor Ask jersey <laughs> and call myself number one Victor Ask fans because he did not score a game-winning goal, although, as Brett mentioned, in that game number six when he had that breakaway at the end of the first period, that was the closest we got. So, uh, you know, he just he couldn't pull it off. He could didn't make me eat my words. So, you know. Yeah, if he would have scored, that would have been the game winner, I think, too. Because yeah, it would have So they didn't score. That would. <laughs> Victor, Poor Justin, guy. any parting thoughts? No, I just. It's like we mentioned before. It's awesome to see the fans in the building, and even the some of these arenas that have full fans, and and we'll be there next year. And kind of uh, keep yourself calm and, and enjoy this ride because this is going to be a, a fun few years, I think. So, hang in there. For sure. Uh, I think I've I've said my piece uh, enough on the show tonight. So uh, one, one more time, three-week hiatus from us. We're not, we're not leaving. We're just taking a little break to reset um, and, and enjoy, you know, the, the summer and, and the playoffs too. Uh, I think mm-hmm. think our schedule should about coincide with um, uh, with, uh, with the end of the playoffs. So uh, my friend's trying to FaceTime me, so I got to <laughs> for a second. Um, <laughs> It's always when we're doing shows. It happened once before, too, I think. But, <laughs> I think uh, I know. <laughs> so that'll do it uh, for today's show. We'll see you guys in three weeks. Uh, thanks for listening. And until then, this has been another episode of 